0: C.S. Lewis once wondered, can a mortal ask questions which God finds unanswerable? Quite easily, I should think. All nonsense questions are unanswerable. How many hours are in a mile? Is yellow square or round? Probably half the questions we ask. Half of our great theological and metaphysical problems are like that. <laughs> I came across that quote when I was completing my summative research project for seminary. I was exploring the theology of evil and suffering and attempting to tackle the age-old question of why a supposedly good God allows them. Now, don't worry, I'm not about to drag you through all of that angsty research or read some dry academic paper to you, but what I would like to do is share a little nugget I picked up along the way that began a holy shift in me. Hey friends, welcome to The Holy Shift Show. I'm your host, Christine Chandler Prater, and I'm so glad you're here. This podcast is for anyone willing to be curious, dig deep, and be surprised by God. Welcome to episode three, y'all. In the first two episodes, I visited with one of my favorite professors, and we geeked out hard about the upside down kingdom of God and the Sermon on the Mount. I loved visiting with her, and I love that interview style in general. So, I'm going to be doing lots more sitting down with smart people and learning from them along with you. But I realize that we all learn differently. And while some of the scholars on here can help us stretch our brain, faith is not purely an intellectual exercise. Jesus tells us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as fun and important as it is to noodle about God in our minds, we are called to seek Him with our entire being. So, to help us all do that, I'm gonna mix things up a bit from time to time, alternating between stretching our brains and nudging our hearts. We'll continue to invite scholars on here to help us mature our theology, but we're also gonna have community builders and everyday folks who can show us how to live that out. And then sometimes, like what I hope today will be, we'll take a moment for a more creative expression and reflection to help deepen our reverence for and intimacy with God. So listen up and join me as I explore the upside-down kingdom of God as the right way forward for the world. We are all physical, emotional, and spiritual beings with needs, longings, and values. And we're all viewing the world through lenses shaped by our own experiences and limited by our own familiarities. That's natural and native to the human existence, so... This isn't a reprimand, just a reminder. We can't help but paint the world with our own broken brushes. And as true as a portrait seems to us, it's impossible for us to paint a perfect picture because we all have our preferences, they color our perceptions, even, and maybe especially, when it comes to God. Often, what's true about God can get skewed by what feels more concrete in our everyday existence. So seeking a truer vision of God requires curiosity, courage, and humility. Detangling myth from veracity and tradition from truth can feel a little bit like the ground is listing and shifting beneath our feet. It can be disorienting, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. See, I believe that we all have spiritual vertigo, which is why the theologians often refer to Jesus' teaching as the upside-down kingdom of God. That kingdom echoes what God has always revealed about himself. That his ways are not our ways. Now, as a Christian, I believe Jesus when he says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So I want to seek him, even though it feels a little bit like writing a theological tilt-a-world sometimes. It's challenging stuff. Much of Jesus' teaching feels paradoxical, and some of it can be downright dizzying. But we're all longing for clear-cut answers to the toughest questions in life, and all straining through our own distorted lenses to find them. And this is where it ties back to that C.S. Lewis quote I started with. God doesn't mind our questions, y'all. But sometimes I wonder if we're asking the right ones. And if we're not asking the right questions, is it any wonder that we're arriving at incomplete answers? I think maybe our focus needs a shift, or at least I know mine does. I'm often asking him what and why and looking for the answers to how to live my life instead of looking to him for life. I tend to get my cause and effect reversed and put the Christine cart before the holy horse. God does have a plan and a purpose for my life, but the pages of scripture don't exist to point me to those answers. They're meant to point me to Jesus. And in seeking him, I find myself and my purpose. When we put the cart before the horse, we end up striving toward goals instead of living in purpose. When we try to force the tension out of the tough questions or Squeeze the nuance out of the complex answers, we end up with rules that are legalistic instead of lives that are characteristic of the God we claim to follow. In all our clamor to understand what we should think, how we should live, and why life is the way that it is, we're forgetting that all these questions are answered in the who of God. The who is revealed in a myriad of ways, but namely in Jesus. He came as a loving and humble servant willing to Walk with, cry with, and live with the broken. He came to reconcile us back to our Father in heaven and with our neighbors on earth. He came to reveal the heart of God. See, we're made in the image of God, by the hand of God, for the purpose of seeking His face, His will, His kingdom, and bringing Him glory. And we can do that, but it isn't going to be through memorizing a certain number of verses, although that has value. It won't be because we've committed to or demanded some level of morality or behavior modification, although holiness is unquestionably our calling. It won't even necessarily be because we asked the right questions or seek him with our whole hearts, although that's a start. It'll be because we believe Jesus when he doesn't just offer to give us the answers, he offers to be the answer. And see, once we untangle God from our own misconceptions, and stop trying to confine him to our own categories, once we believe God is who he says he is, he's bound to surprise us, guaranteed to challenge us, and certain to change us. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Rooted in his infinite otherness, God is big enough to weave the cosmos into creation and breathe humanity into dust. He formed the earth's foundations, set its footing with his own holy hands, and laid its very cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. This God is so great that even the rocks cry out in praise and the mountains leap for joy, the hills burst with song, and the trees rise in standing ovation. This is who God is. But our understanding of God and of the world is tinted tilted, inverted, perverted by our own damage and desires. We are finite creatures, which means we're limited to our own understanding and lack of imagination. As a result, our view of God is small, minute, minuscule, myopic, microscopic, antiseptic, uninspired, rigid, constrained, biased, parochial. Never has that been more apparent than when we glimpse the character of God in the Gospels, and we watch in bewilderment as the perfect, divine orchestrator of the universe shrugs on flesh and dons a diaper. We are dizzied by this paradox, disoriented by this dominion, where the Lord of all creation leaves heaven's throne for a filthy feeding box, where the creator of the cosmos puts down his kingly scepter and picks up a carpenter's tool where the god of the galaxy strips off his royal robe and garbs himself in a peasant's tunic. But that's what he did. And in response, we lined his path with palm branches when we thought he promised prosperity. But then we jeered and spit when he demanded repentance. We lifted our hands toward him when he poured out his healing, but then turned our faces away from his wounds and suffering. And yet, despite our fickleness and because of his faithfulness, he offers forgiveness. He allowed himself to be tattled on, tortured, and traded for an insurrectionist. He removed his jeweled crown to pick up a splintered cross, then hung naked before the crowd shamefully placed between common criminals. And though the earth shook as he cried out that it was finished, he was enshrouded and entombed behind a stone. But while his disciples wept and slept, he didn't. He looked hell straight in the face for us and then defeated it to make a way for us. He rose. And when he did, his kingdom came with him. It's rising even now and already dawning in the not yet. It's the song swelling in our ears, the welcome warming in our hearts. He is calling us to him and we have heard his voice. Will we accept his invitation? Will we say yes to who he is, what he wills, and how he reigns? In this kingdom, things are not as we've known or sown or sought or thought. His kingdom is not from this world, but it is for it. We know that to be true because God became mercy incarnate. And in coming to reconcile and redeem, he also came to reorient and reorder. He came to shift all we thought we knew about him and all we thought we knew about seeking him, obeying him, loving him, opposites, and bursting with mystery and paradox. Here, the king is the servant of the people, and sovereignty rules with generosity. Mercy and justice are not rivals, but allies justly joined. In the upside-down kingdom, he flips our tables and topples our empires. He inverts our assumptions and upends our expectations. He reverses our priorities and upsets our majorities. Here, our nemesis is made our neighbor, our prayers poured out for our persecutors, and our love offered to our arch enemies. In the upside-down kingdom, the first is last, the child is wise, the meek is mighty. Here, the happiest are the humblest, the starving are the most satisfied, the narrowest road leads to the largest life, and those who sow in tears reap in joy. In the upside-down kingdom, honor is given to the small, power is perfected in weakness, the poor in spirit are bequeathed the stars above, and their unclean lips purposed to herald his holy name. Here. The earth is not the whole wide world, but merely a footstool for the divine. And truth is not the antithesis of grace. It is wedded with it. Will the mighty bless the meek and those who mourn? Can a criminal receive the promised rest? Would a feast be served to celebrate the scorned? And shall the sinful outcast sit as honored guest? Yes. In the upside-down kingdom, obedience is the fruit of love. Dependence is the mark of free. Death to self leads to abundant life, and surrender ushers victory. In the upside-down kingdom, perfection washes wicked feet and shares its bread with the betrayer. Pardon is promised to the thief, clemency lent to the jailer. He is the one righteous king, but he sings an upside-down song. And he being gracious lets us sing along, but we, being broken, keep getting it wrong. We're all trying to sing our own anthem, but the one who seeks, finds. The one who asks, receives. The table has been set, and we are welcome to taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Lord, whoever you are, we want you. Please reveal yourself to us and give us the courage to say yes. Give us the conviction to follow you faithfully. We confess our misconceptions and surrender our expectations. We ask that you would forgive us for the ways that we have misunderstood and maybe even misrepresented you. We seek your face, your will, your kingdom, and ask that you would give us a fresh vision for who you are and a greater understanding of your will for the world. And Lord, above all else, grant us a deeper intimacy with you. Lord, you are both the author and the perfecter of our faith. So we seek your truth and ask that you would awaken us to your presence and our purpose to bring you glory. Lord, let us find rest and reverence in the mystery of who you are, and comfort in knowing that you call us each by name and are drawing us toward you even now in spirit and in truth. Thank you so much for spending time with me today, and I do hope that you enjoyed that more creative reflection. I recognize that that is not everybody's cup of tea, but we do want to mix it in from time to time for our creative types and also because we believe that it does help stretch our imagination and awaken our awareness of God. Now, if this wasn't really your gig, no worries. We're going to be back to that interview format next episode. And I hope you'll join us for it because I'm going to be interviewing a friend of mine. I'm a community builder who ministers to individuals with special needs. And I know you're going to want to hear what she has to say. So join us next week. And in the meantime, if you would do us a favor, if you're liking the show, Will you share it with a friend or subscribe and leave a positive review? That helps other folks find us. And then if you want to see the show notes, we've always got those up over on our website. Just go to theholyshift.org podcast to see those. You can also find a quiz that we've designed to help you discover if you're holding any beliefs about God or others that could use a holy shift. And also, we would love for you to connect with us. We always love hearing your thoughts and finding out what questions and topics you might like explored here on the podcast. So thank you again for spending your time with me and for joining me as I explore the upside-down kingdom of God as the right way forward for the world.